Yeah, yeah, okay, so we're live. So if I if I seem a little scatterbrained, I I just got a call super last minute from a friend of mine who is a musical director for uh, a well-known artist in a like basically they need me to fill in last minute or they they need someone to fill in last minute and it's dude the stress of like trying to figure out if I can do it because I've got all these other things that I have to do and then I'm having to make phone calls and I'm having to see if I can move people around and do stuff and it's like <sighs> it's but I'm sure it's just as stressful for them too so right you know I handle those things very poorly yeah I think I do too because uh, I I very much like just like going to Sweetwater like not knowing even like weeks ahead of time was enough to make me go, well, if they're not going to talk to me, then I'm just not going to do it. Like I, I get really, I'm not that bad. No, I'm not I, that bad. I, I'm like that. Yeah. Well, but how's, how's your week been going? Uh, it was good. We had a, we had a run of shows last week in Texas, um, made oh, yeah. a, made a, a video about it. It was, let me tell you something about Texas. Okay. <laughs> I grew up in Georgia. Okay. I, I, I know hot. I know the, the heat in the South. I don't know what y'all are doing living in Texas. It's too hot. Like, what do you do there? It's just, it's flat and it's hot. And it, it's, you're just hot all the time. And that's it. You just live yeah. in the heat. I mean, my God. They, um, they go to the lake and go to the, uh, the Gulf Coast. I don't know what they do there. But no, it was good. We had a good two shows in Austin. We were opening up for Billy Currington. It was interesting. It wasn't really our crowd. Like, Noah Guthrie in Good Trouble, we're a, we're an Americana rock band, and especially right. our live show is pretty pretty rock oriented, right? And that crowd is not what I would call like a music crowd, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And this is a broad generalization, but the vibe that I got being on stage and walking around in the venues was like, these are people that are not necessarily music lovers as much as they are people that like enjoy some pop country and they want to go out and party on a Friday night. They wanted to say they could go to a concert kind of thing. And that's not everybody. Right. It's a generalization. But I say that to say, like, they didn't really get us. <laughs> <laughs> there was just a lot of blank stares in the crowd when we were up there playing. And I felt like we played really well. And we, we had two new songs that we showed out. And, like, I felt like we were playing our asses off. And uh, it just was – I just didn't connect. So right. sometimes that's, that happens. That's the worst. I saw – uh, I watched your 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 video and I saw the the part where you like wipe the quad cortex oh and all God. the water came off. Like, what happened with that? Like, how did that resolve itself? So surprisingly, like, I got to hand it to the quad cortex. The first day in Austin, when we were loading in, um, I it had to have been a hundred and ten degrees or more on that stage. We were in direct sunlight. It was the black stage. I mean, it was it. The quad cortex got so hot in direct sunlight that when I was when we were done with sound check, I almost burned myself on it picking my my pedal board up, and it was fine. Like it didn't falter. I thought for sure I was going to have problems with my pedal board with my rig. It was that hot. I thought the amp was going to start having problems. I did have trouble with my guitars staying in tune and stuff, but right the quad cortex dude was fine. I could see the screen in the direct sunlight. Oh, really? Yeah, which was actually pretty nice um it sounded good it didn't have any failures i mean it was a overall pretty solid piece of kit 
So but, were, you, um, were you using the amps on the quad cortex into the matchless? No, no, no. Using... I was just using okay. it like a pedal board, basically, into oh, okay. the, the matchless. Yeah. God, yeah. that matchless. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find out how old it was? No, no. Mm. Honestly, I don't think it matters with matchless. Everyone talks about Samson era, this, Samson era, that. It doesn't matter. I think, I think just about if, if it's an, a matchless DC 30 or an HC 30, it's a killer amp. It doesn't matter who built it. It sounds yeah. good. There are definitely some stinker models, but I don't yeah, think yeah. There, there are any that are like bad sounding. Well, poorly built amps. I think they're all pretty incredibly, you know, yeah. well made. But yeah, overall, it was good. Flew nice. out. Flew, flying back from Austin was a pain because <sighs> airlines in this country won't pay people a living wage. So there's pilot shortages and we're getting delayed and all over the place. And so that yeah. was a pain in the ass. But otherwise, it was good. Good trip. How's your week? Uh, it's just been... Uh, Blanketed in pink, like we're we're doing all the all the Seuss Marioseps, which is, uh, it is, it's so exhausting. It's that because they, like the the Wildwood Mjolnir, is far and away the most time consuming thing we make because we still put ninety five percent of all the components on the board. There's a few things that are surface mount underneath, but everything else, you know, we populate. Um, but once that part's done, like getting it in the box is, it's a snap. It's super easy. But the Seuss Mariosa, because it has six pots, uh, two trim pots, a, a toggle switch, and three LEDs, and, and in addition to the, you know, three foot switches and jacks, yeah, it just takes so long to get it, like, lined up and then push it into the, right. the face of the enclosure to where it's, it's really... It, it's just a, a a really labor intensive build. And, I mean, we, and we're still like putting all the the you know the chips that are like the delay chip and all that stuff on it. So it's it it takes a long time even to get it to like ready the ready point to go into the enclosure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we have the 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 launch of it was incredible, and and thank you to everyone who bought one. But I was not expecting it to be as uh well received as it was and uh i mean my hat's off to rj for making an incredible video showcasing what it does and we are really proud of it but like the first hundred sold out and we had we had a a a few shy of a hundred but around a hundred sold out or sold to dealers really quick right and then they sold and then they all re-upped and re-upped big numbers because they already had wait lists and so we're staring down the barrel of almost 200 more. And, I mean, we've spent well over a week getting 140, like, started. And we're not even done. I'm, I'm just started soldering them. And it's taking so long. But Dude, is that your it, most – what's – how does that stack up to your most popular model? Is the Mjolnir your most popular? That model? and the Golden Fleece, yeah. Okay. Where, I mean, does, like where the, does the Seuss Mario stuff come in to that? I mean, like the first ones we made, we might have made 200. It, it might have been just been 100. I don't know. We didn't sell that many. Yeah. And, and like they kind of like sat around and then no one talked about it. And then RJ's career has just taken off and then Mythos has gotten bigger. And so like they all went pretty, you know, pretty well. But it is, it was, and I thought it was just going to be a really, you know, we'd like sell some and, they trickle in here and there, 
we'll see what happens. But yeah, the, the Golden Fleece, we sell a lot. And we actually sell a lot of Argonauts because um, an octave up that's that small. Yeah, it's a great kinda, piece of kit. Yeah, it, but but I don't know. Like the, the Mjolnir is far and away the most popular thing. And anytime we do something new with that, it sells, you know, really well. And um, and I've luckily made it a lot easier to make for the normal size one. But everyone wants that Wildwood one, and it is... Man, every time we're building it, McKinley, Jeff, and myself look at each other and go, we're not making enough money on these (laughs) because (laughs) it takes so long. Yeah. So I I don't know how other people do it, like how other people sell pedals, like Jam, you know, like their pedals are expensive, but the level of work they put into them. Yeah. Dude, I'm a big fan of the Jam stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, there you go. That's awesome. Congrats on the Mario Sep. V2. I got to get you that? one. Yeah, I do. I never had a V1. You hear that, Flippers? V1, there's only 100 of them. So, so get on Reverb. Make your you, money. You don't see them. You don't uh, see them. Or the so, Lark. We only made 100 no. Larks, right? Yeah, 100. It was a little around. It was around 100 or so. Yeah. I want to I wanna start seeing Larks on Reverb for $2,000. Okay? <laughs> God, no. <laughs> oh, man. And then I'm just going to post about it on Instagram and make fun of people doing it. So... I'm getting that. There's a question in the Discord about. I get, I get it. The, the, the most common question I get asked is what's the difference between the Wildwood and the normal Mjolnir? Yeah. So let's, let's, let's end it right here. Let's, let's, yeah. The Wildwood is my copy of my personal Silver Clon from like 2006. It, a sonic replica. It's not a, like a part to part replica because I tailored it to sound just like my, my Clon Centaur. The normal Mjolnir in the smaller box is my interpretation of that circuit in tweaks to where I think it's more appealing for everybody. Okay. And uh, the Wildwood's mostly through-hole parts, fancy parts. Well, that's why it but sounds better. <laughs> it doesn't. It just sounds different. <laughs> the, no, Ad- no, Adrian Thorpe. I've got both, and they like. I just think the 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 through-hole parts are just like <sighs> it's just a sweeter sound, you know. A- Adrian at Thorpe effects. I send him a normal, like, top mount, small, you know, normal Mjolnir. Yeah. And he says it sounds more like his gold clone. So, Ooh. I don't know. But anyway. Well, well, well. There you so, go. They're both gonna, good. I do have both. They both slap. Yeah. So. We're we going to dip this rig? Let's do it. Let's see. Add to stream. Kerchow. Oh, speaking of matchless. There it is. Good God. So... This is from uh, our friend, Mr. Evan Riddell. Wow, this is interesting. Uh, he said, I'm a dad and needed to sell everything but the <laughs> bare necessities in order to afford a living dad. in California. <laughs> hey, that's oh, a no, real I'm thing. I'm my headphones. Hold on. Jesus. This happens every damn time. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, okay, we're back. Um, so, I mean, that happens. You know, when you have a kid, you have to make considerations. And that's another reason why I'm not going to have kids. Oh, come on. <laughs> no. Uh, so what we've got here are it's some really cool stuff. The guitar is an early uh-huh. 2000s made in Japan Fujigen Epiphone Elite. Les Ooh. Paul. Really cool. We can talk okay. about that. Okay. He has a Milkman The Amp, the 50-watt version yep. reverb trim. Yep. Going into a matchless ESD 2x12 with the... Uh, Stock Celestian pairing, and then uh, 
looks like the majority of his stuff, he's got a Schmitterbay board that's got a, a Chariotone Horsebreaker and a Catlin bred Echo Wreck. And uh, that, that's, that's, that's it. And wow. it's killer. Uh, I'm going to okay. drop it to Discord here. Pretty meat and potatoes, honestly. Let's start with that guitar. So what year did you say that, that Les Paul was? So that's an early, he says early 2000s. Okay. Uh, Epiphone Elite, which is pre the Elitist model, which bo- both of those are kind of terrible names. The Elitist <laughs> is the worst name for a, a model ever. I mean, come on. Yeah, but I, I had a, I had an SG. Uh, it was mine was mine was an elitist, and it was amazing. Great right. guitar. The pickups were kind of weak, but the idea was is they they made an Epiphone as close to it's basically like an Oroville, like okay. an, a, a a Japanese you know Gibson equivalent. Right. Right. Uh, with they called it the Tombstone headstock, where it doesn't have like the open book, it just like kind of rounds over. Yep. And um, I think the pickups were made in America. They had normal, like, reissue spec, uh, ABR, that sort of thing, uh, good pots, and they're just really nice guitars. Uh, they're poly, though, so they're not, mm. you know, but a really, really incredible guitar. And they had multiple ranges of, of the Elite and the Elitist, uh, different models, and, you know, they kind of have existed for a long time in different permutations. But what, are those, what are those going for in reverb right now, do you think? They've gone, they've gone crazy. Uh, so, like, I remember you used to be able to get a, uh elite standard for, like, if it was black like that for, I don't know, 800 bucks. And um, they've gone bananas because everything Japanese make has gone just crazy. Yeah, uh, okay. Epiphone Elite. Here's one for 1500 which isn't that bad. I'm looking at Les Paul Elite 96 to 98 on reverb here. Let's see. Um, 810. There's all black for 810. First run rare. Whoa. It's rare, you guys. Somebody jump on this. <laughs> um, okay. No, that's cool. I mean, 800 oh, that... bucks is kind of big money for an Epiphone, but it's in mid-90s. 96. Oh, that's that's not that's an elite model. That's not an uh, uh, that, that's like got the f holes and no, uh, does stuff. it? I can't tell on this. Yeah. Oh and yeah. And it's yeah, got yeah. the normal Epiphone headstock. Oh no, I see it. Yeah. So the, the there's there's a black one on here, and then some some flame tops, and they had like a veneer. I swear some of them had a full fat uh, maple cap, but uh, I I've had I had SG, and then I had um, uh, just a normal standard with the flame top. Great guitars, they have kind of a D-shaped neck profile. Okay. Which I don't actually kind of cramped my hand up, but um, they're nice guitars. Nice. Okay, cool. Now the pedal board, so we're using the the Milkman basically as the amp, as the head. Yeah. And then, uh, no, that's cool. I have the 100-watt version um, mm-hmm. that Tim sent out to me a couple years ago, actually. And I don't, I've used it, and I, I like it, and I see the use case for it. I don't use it all that often, though. <clears throat> but I think it's a really interesting, like the desktop amp kind of market, I think is, is still relatively unexplored. Um, Victory is kind of doing that thing really well, where it's desktop amp, meaning like it's not a modeler, but it's not an amp, 
It might have some tubes in it. It can fit on a pedal board. It can fit on a desk. You can go direct. And it's basically one or two kind of really good tube amp sounds in a small package. I feel like more amp manufacturers could be going down that route. I mean, Quilter obviously does that kind of thing really well. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's funny because it's like, I see it as like a gigging solution or or something, but for home use, I mean, like playing quietly at home and having a solid state. Or do they have tubes in them at all? Because um, they're a class D. It's class power D power amp. amp. I don't know if the if I think maybe it the has amp a, has a preamp tube. Twelve AX seven. Yeah, he says it has a a, a single preamp. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, it, it, they sound good, man. I mean, like the hundred watt one that I have, it's it sounds like a deluxe. Sounds like a, yeah. a good deluxe. Well, it's one of those things. It's like I think it's funny because actually my my shill uh, will we'll touch on this, but like with everything coming so far with solid state and especially like plugins and playing mm. at home, I don't know. Like there is there is something to having a cabinet and having speakers and moving serious air, but yeah, like I don't know. For I, I could see a lot of people making an argument for that for recording, but I I don't feel like it's necessary as much as it used to be. I um, I think. I think we're about to enter the age of the plug-in. We might already be yeah. there, but we're really about to enter the age of the plug-in. And actually, this brings up an interesting dis- uh, point that remind me after we're dumped di- dipping the rig what you think about this idea okay. of pedal manufacturers making plug-ins of certain pedals. Oh. Yeah, what do you think about that? I have an okay. idea of what you might think about it, but I want to... I wanna, talk about it so all right cool now the the seriatone what is that the horse breaker is that a clon? it's chariotone <laughs> oh god whatever chariotone seriatone it doesn't matter i mean it it's, does i don't want to be disrespectful chariotone it's a clon into a blues breaker and you can like flip the order and you have oh. switchable buffers or bypass so okay i'm into yeah, that I mean, no i mean it's like super john mary right you know that's yeah like, yeah yeah one of the go-to pairing um a lot of people like that pair i i don't i don't like blues breakers so <laughs> it's too bad you don't know uh guitars oh i uh, yeah, no. there you go there's an there's an edit point for you <laughs> dude he polled me when uh he was editing that yeah with all the cuss words and stuff last week it was it was jollyment yeah um and then the cattle and bread echo echo wreck. Those which are cool. Is like they're great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're really good. Um, but and then a matchless cab. It's like I don't know. Like this to me, I I love this because, I mean, beyond like being the dad and like downsizing because you know, you kind of have to. Um, it it like this is a completely serviceable rig. You could do almost anything with this, and I'm sure it sounds really good. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I like the bare bones. I like that it's uh that it's stripped down. I've the Schmidt array pedal boards are interesting to me. I'm Yeah. They're they're cool looking, but aren't they super heavy? They are. Yeah, and they yeah. uh they, they they probably weigh as much as that matchless cabinet. Let's <laughs> see. <laughs> I wonder if there's a weight for like all his boards on That's his That's the thing, man. It's like uh When you're oh. when you're having to travel with that stuff and like lug it through airports and everything, and it doesn't have wheels, I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's see. 
I'm looking up the, this particular model. Uh, oh man, he's got all the dimensions. Wait, what? Somebody go weigh their Schmidt-Array pedal board and tell us how much it is. Get Joey uh, oh, to it, do it. He's got one, right? Th- 3.8 kilograms. Oh, God. What is, what is that? that? I need that in freedom units. <laughs> well, that can't be right. 6.6 pounds. It's got to weigh more than that. That's not bad. Well, that one that we're looking at, right? I mean, that's what I, I just Googled it. Yeah, that's pretty small. Oh. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, the, the amp is like this big. So pretty small board. I could yeah. see that. Seven pounds. But it's made of wood, right? 8.3 pounds is what Robert Dudley said in the chat. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've uh, I've seen them, and they just, man, they look so heavy. But <laughs> Well, there's uh, one thing about looking heavy and then actually being heavy, and I'm, I'm trying to figure well, out. Well, they are definitely heavy uh, okay. for sure. But, but I don't, like, pedal boards are funny. Like, I, I see a lot of people, like, you know, making all these fancy boards, and it's just like, I think people expect guys like me to have that kind of stuff. And like my pedal board is literally just a pedal train with the chocks and like stuff just sitting on it. You know, that's usually how I treat a pedal board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I like this rig. I like the simplicity. I like the, uh, the unique factor of that Epiphone. I like that initially you just look at it and you think, Oh, whatever. Epiphone Les Paul, but actually it's something quite special. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the matchless cab. I like the amp. I like the chariotone. I would like a few more things here, though. I feel like, you know, some modulation should be cool. Could be cool on this board. I think a fuzz would be cool on this board. Yeah, he says he gets a convincing fuzz sound by stacking both the, the drives and like really cranking it. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. But but I want like fuzz, fuzz. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like proper fuzz. Um. It's color matching. So there's it that. <laughs> it's very, very color coordinated. Uh, I'm going to give this 7.4 shoils. I'd like a single coil guitar in there somewhere, and I'd like a few other modulation options in the effects setup. You, you could just coil tap. No, coil tapping humbuckers <laughs> sounds terrible. Dude, a coil tap humbuckers, in my opinion, never sound good. They've never, I've never heard a coil tap humbucker that made me think like, yeah, I would use this instead of a single coil. I think, okay, wait, let, let me rate it and then we'll, oh, we'll argue okay. that. <laughs> I was going to give it a little higher. I think it deserves at least an 8.5. I really like the, the Epiphone Elite series and stuff. And I think the guitar, like that speaks to me as a guitar player. Okay. So I, I mean, like I, I like modulation, but the Catalan Bread has some modulation, you know, on the repeat. So I think, I think that would, that would do me. Okay. All right. But coil tap ha- humbuckers suck. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I do think that PRS can make a neck tapped or, well, okay. So it's tapped and split. It's two separate things. Okay. Let's Whatever explain they're the difference. Doing. So a tap is when you're like you're winding the coil mm-hmm. and then you get to a point and you tap off there and then you wind the rest of the coil so you're you're actually just reducing the number of turns to lower the output and change the sound splitting is literally taking one coil away Mm. um and i'm not sure what prs does but i feel like in the last 10 years or so the the neck pickup split sounds or tap sounds whatever it is sounds pretty good um it's not perfect um 
the bridge i've never i've never heard a bridge that really sounded right mm. i think the i think that's hard yeah um but i will say that my strandberg um the in between it just activates the two inner coils of the mm-hmm. humbucker mm-hmm. and it sounds really good like really really good so but that's I just, just me. think coil split humbuckers to me they they don't sound good they just always sound anemic and not like a strat neck pickup or tele pickup or whatever yeah but it's not but it, it never would because it's it's not that so i think it's yeah, like if I you think can accept it the thing is that a lot of pickup manufacturers or guitar manufacturers sell it like that. They sell it like, yo, right. when we get your single coil tones. Like, no, you can't. It's not a strat. And that's why I got so frustrated with the the 2019 Les Paul standard, <laughs> which was like, right. what are you doing? Like they literally were saying in their their as much as they could without getting sued by Fender was like, Oh, you can get your T style sounds, you can get your S style sounds, you can do all these things. It's like, no, you can't. It doesn't sound like a strat, no matter how many dip switches you put in it. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. To, I agree, but I do think there are in the past number of years, a lot of companies have taken great, great strides in giving more usable split sounds. I don't think they'll. The, you're right; they'll never sound like the real, like what they're trying to sell them as. But yeah. like the Strandberg. Like it, I mean, it sounds like it, it doesn't sound like anything else. It sounds like that guitar. Sure. So, like, when I play it and sounds you go headless. to the middle, <laughs> no, I it got sounds it. great. Yeah. I'm telling you. Sounds but, like a three quarters of a guitar. I got it. Five. <sighs> <laughs> you're going to play it. I'm going to, I'm not, oh, you're going to come to Nashville like for your gig. Yeah. No, I'm going to find you. I want to uh-huh. steal your guitars and just leave okay. the Strandberg bag, and you're going to pick it up and go, this is so light. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know why it's so light and small. And yeah. I don't care that you can fit it in an overhead bin. You know what I can fit in an overhead bin? My normal guitars with headstocks. Some overhead bins. Most overhead bins. Not f- you like If they have the hole and you can like get through the other side. What do you, dude, no. I, I, most overhead bins you can fit a guitar in. A bass is a different, a different thing. When, but unless, unless you're flying... What is it? The CRJ 200. Somebody look that up. The there's a specific model of plane. No, I'm serious because I've looked at this before. When I used to fly, because I flew last week, I didn't look last week, but I used to fly a lot for gigs, and I got to the point where I was looking up the plane that I would be on, the plane model, and if it's like 737, uh, something, anything like that, you're fine. You're you're gonna get your plane on board. But if it's like the smaller little regional, like what I flew to. Um, Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's a little CRJ two hundred, little small airplane. You 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 can't you can't even get your Strandberg in that overhead bin. Well, when we when we went to England and I took the mono, there were overhead bins that were shorter and I could not fit the mono in, and then there were some that were wider and I could fit it in. When you flew overseas, you couldn't get in a. What were you flying? Airbus. I don't know. A big ass plane over the. <laughs> you mean you don't look? You don't know the model of the plane <laughs> no, you're sorry. flying, dude? Jesus, I don't. I look God. at the ticket price and then I start <laughs> sweating and I can't see anything else. God, can you imagine? Not anyway. knowing what plane you're on. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> what were we talking so about? We uh, oh well, you wanted to talk about pedal plugins, which oh. I think this can segue into something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this this came up in conversation the other day with a friend of mine. So amp plugins are now becoming 
I think the thing, especially with a lot of players who are playing at home mostly, or or even myself, I'll, sometimes it's just more convenient to like use a plugin, you know. Yeah. Um, and they're getting really good. I think the neural stuff, that neural tone king plugin, is super good. Yeah. Um, what about pedals though? Like why? Because you know, in the neural stuff, you have some effects, right? And they make it look like a pedal board, but they're obviously not any specific pedal. It's like ubiquitous delay and weird, right? Sea hall reverb or whatever the hell. Why not do that, but with pedals? Why not have I, a Wildwood Mjolnir as a as a uh, a plugin that you could integrate with other amp plugins so like let's say you have your neural dsp collection why not mythos partner up with neural and do a mythos line of stuff i i think that's totally coming i mean like neural being the prime example the fact that you can like capture a pedal right only part i mean like part of it well i will say that i did some captures with the quad cortex i captured some overdrives uh the olympus was one I captured okay. it, and it does a really good job with overdrives. Fuzzes are not quite there. It has a hard time with fuzzes, but overdrives and boosts, it's dialed. Right. Well, and I think that I think that's going to be the natural progression. I think we're going to see it in the next couple of years, probably, uh, if not sooner. Um, like, I mean, because let's face it, everybody's doing this anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Tone King plugin, one of those is is probably like a BB preamp. Because there's two overdrives. Yeah. Like, they sound very familiar. Uh, and I think it's just a matter of time. It's just, like, do they, like, do they have to? I mean, you know, I, I think it would take a really high-profile brand to for people to want to spend the extra money on, or them to, like, give away the money that that would take for them to just do I don't think it would have to be high-profile. I don't think so at all. I think because... It's sort of a natural progression of like what I do with Helix presets or or impulse responses or something. People just want options. And right. if they can get in, I, I think it's a mutually beneficial thing. From a business perspective, as a pedal manufacturer, this is infinitely scalable. Right? Oh, yeah. You can only build so many Seuss Mariocepts, right? Right. It's And it's just you're trading essentially time and intellectual property for money. Yeah. Well, why not? digitize the thing and put it up and it's infinitely scalable. I've had this conversation with guitar player friends of mine that are interested in getting into like online content creation on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. And, and some of them have ha- have come to me and like, yeah, I want to start, I want to use it to like promote my lesson website. I want to like do more Skype yeah. lessons. Why? Because you, you're going to max out your time super, super fast without seeing enough of a return for your time. Whereas if you do a video course, like uh, many of us do, it's scalable. You do yeah. the course once, you put it out, and then, you know. I, I think you're totally right. And um, uh, CG Glover, or C. Glover in Discord just said that the Benson plugin from Mixwave has their pedals. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's great. And I, I think... I, but I think you're absolutely right. I think it would be really smart of Neural or whoever. I mean, the idea of having like a pedal board plugin that then you could purchase like a Mythos pack or a JHS pack or whatever yeah, makes yeah. so much sense. It's just like now they have to redo all their amp software to integrate that where it floats in. 
or well, it's whatever. It's almost like we need a standard at some point. Yeah. Because right now it's a bit of the Wild West. We've got all these different manufacturers, these plug-in makers making different emulations of amps, sometimes the same amp and different plug-in form. It's like, I almost feel like we're going to need some kind of standard, maybe not for the amp side of things, but for the plug-in side. And it would be cool for the, uh, or sorry, for the, the pedal side. And it would be cool for the plug-in manufacturers to like, oh, if you buy a Neural Tone King plug-in, it's compatible with the pedal plug-in standard. Yeah. And you can just make it work. Yeah. And it may be something as simple as upgrading your software to where it just all kind of locks in. But uh, I think that's a totally, I, I, I think we're totally going to see that. And, and McKinley and Jeff had, cause we had watched all these neural things had joked about, would it be cool if there was like a mythos pack? And I'm like, yeah, it would be cool, but I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to call me, <laughs> but you never know. Why don't we just do it ourselves? Oh Yeah. <laughs> Let me just start. We, okay. Dude, we've got time. One zero one one zero one one zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could learn how to code or whatever, and it's not that hard. Like the, I've seen right. books at Barnes and Noble. It's like coding for dummies. I imagine I'll just get one of those, right. and then we'll just make it, and it'll be easy. Totally easy. It's just you know. I mean, dude, I made my own impulse responses. You know, it's probably the yeah. same thing. That's just like you just take this. Yeah. And like point it at a speaker, and then yeah, yeah, and, and then it like does this. the thing, and then you and put it in your, and then you put it up on the internet. It's done, and then and you, you just can make sell money it. from it. It's That's it. right. It just prints money out of it's, the internet. It's almost as easy as like making YouTube videos. It's like you just <laughs> right. make videos, and then Google pays you. It's like here's your cash. Thanks for yeah. the video. I know all you're doing is walking around like this. Well, what's up, like, Yo, YouTube? Yeah. Be sure to smash that like button. Today we're going to be talking about you know. Well, <sighs> earlier on Instagram, this is going to be a this is this is a free form. Isn't every episode free form though? Sometimes we're a little more focused. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But we're only 36 minutes in. This feels, this is great. Uh, we were talking about, well, I was moaning about people who replicate vintage units and then sell them for close to, if not the same price as, as the vintage unit. As the vintage units. Um, and I, I just don't get it. And so we had a little bit of a spirited conversation. I want to pull out some, pull up some stuff online. Yeah, let's and see what let's I can look find. at some, uh, let's look at some examples. Well, <laughs> I don't want to name names. Well, no, we don't. But we at least we, because I'll admit, before I heard you talking about it, I wasn't totally aware that this was even going on. Uh huh. In the pedal world, so maybe get maybe just add a little uh, a little fidelity for the listeners and the viewers here. Okay, so there are people all around the world who are replicating uh, fuzz units, mostly fuzz units. Like I, I think that fuzzes for the most part are, are way overpriced for what is in there. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at something, I mean, okay, I, uh, I'll get, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sense of what I'm going to say. Like <laughs> you look at something like a, a, a Univibe, like that, that's, that's complicated. I mean, that's not like the most complicated thing. Uh, the earliest deal, like a, the earliest line six stuff is way more complicated, you know, oh, yeah. than, than a Univibe would ever be. But um, arguably, a Univibe is way harder to make than a fuzz face. My dog, dog was barking. Yeah, sorry. Um, but what a lot of people are doing is replicating these fuzz circuits. Uh, sometimes even going so far as to putting 
the original manufacturer or the, the, the original manufacturer and the original model name on these things, which are oftentimes owned by someone else now and selling them for what I consider obscene money, one to $2,000 for mm. a replica of a, a vintage unit, which sometimes, yeah, can exceed that price. Interesting. But sometimes Interesting. Don't. Okay. All right. So let's let it be known. I did pay a thousand dollars for a modern replica of a vintage fuzz. But so. but you were buying it from the place that made you're you, you like I don't consider what you're doing what 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 you what you bought to be an outright clone because it's made by the people that made the original thing. Well that's true. That, that own the rights in the and it has the, the original made. parts in it. Yeah. Like that's different than Joe Nobody making a fuzz face and buying a replica enclosure and painting it and then putting fuzz face on it and then selling it for a thousand dollars. Yeah, I think you're right there. I mean, I bought it from Anthony McCarry himself. Yeah, you're, so, you're, you're, you weren't going to the Dallas Arbiter shop and you know and buying a reissue fuzz face. I mean, or that oh, that's essentially what you were doing. That's right. not what these other people are doing. Right. So, like, well, I, I just. Well, there's an interesting kind of thing happening here because with guitars, we do this, right? Like, yes. I bought a Shabbat Lynx, right? You bought Unbelievable. a Shabbat? I bought a Shabbat. Unbelievable guitar. It's a Strat. It's a it vintage, vintage Strat, <laughs> right? Pick. I don't know exactly what year. It might be based off of whatever. In, in the guitar world, like, we don't have any problem with this. We don't have any problem of, like, a different manufacturer taking on a Strat or a Tele or a Les Paul or a 335 or whatever. But I think the difference is Shabbat is not charging me $35,000, dollars $50,000 or whatever the equivalent vintage price of a 58, 59, 60, 61, 62 Strat would be, mm-hmm. right? I think that's where the rub is. If these if these pedal manufacturers, I mean, look, you can make a fuzz face. And, and I don't even fault them for making a fuzz face that looks like a fuzz face. Now, the actual right. putting the logo and everything on it is a little bit, mm, I wouldn't do that. Um, yeah. But, but to do to go so far as like brand it like the original, and sell it like it's an original price. I mean, now we're starting to blur the lines here between, like, are you, are we sure that you're not trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes and claim that this is a vintage unit? Right, and I don't think that's a lot of people's intention. Uh, in the Discord chat, Instagram fuzz talk is finally here. <laughs> well, that might Which not is... be the manufacturer's intention, but but what is it? You know, wh- how how does it like some tool bag? Like the guy that sold you the Doctor Z, oh, why yeah. <laughs> why not? Why can't he just come along and buy it? And it's like, oh, this is my vintage uh, fuzz face. It's all here. Here's the you know whatever. Right, and someone really gets got because I'm looking on. I just searched fuzz face and sorted high to low. And there are a lot of examples of vintage fuzz faces on here for a lot of money. And reverb is not the best, you know, indicator of prices of, of things. But, you know, well, some I mean, of these it's kind of it's kind of become the standard, though. Yeah. But I mean, we, we have to like dive into the sold listings. But there are some in here that are new, new fuzz faces that are replicas that exceed fifteen hundred dollars where 
there are vintage ones made with, I mean, exactly the same uh, for $1,300, but they were made by Dallas Arbiter. Right. Um, so here know, we go. So I've got one pulled up here. Original NKT, NTK275, Dallas Arbiter, 6750 66, Dallas Arbiter, 6500 So, yeah, we're in the sixes. Now I'm trying to find... Uh, uh, okay, here we go. No, wait, that's a 70. I'm trying to find one of the, the replicas here. You just keep on scrolling down. You'll see some. And, like, you know, like, I'm... I'm not trying to like rain on anyone you know, on anyone's parade and, and say like, you know, like, hey, if you can get it, I guess get it. I just feel like it's kind of it just feels icky to me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, because can you, I don't see any of these. There's a scarecrow. Gu- well, maybe I shouldn't <clears throat> name names. There's a wow. tribute fuzz face mm-hmm. and copper, but it doesn't necessarily look like. An original, and it's fourteen ninety nine. Price drop five hundred dollars. Yeah, um, but there it's funny though because there I think I can't pronounce his name on on the Discord server without sounding like an idiot. Him saying it's an Instagram fuzz talk, I think that's really accurate because that's the thing that I see all the time. At least the 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 algorithm is marketing to me all of these manufacturers. There's a lot in Japan. There's some other people abroad who are making replicas using replica enclosures because like the Dunlop enclosure uh, for even the big, you know, mic stand fuzz face is not exactly the same as what a Dallas Arbor was. There were different permutations, but these people are using replica cases, replica finishes and, and replicating everything, the name, the way they're yeah, wired. I see one here. And, and I just kind of, it just, I, I just want to know like, what you think. I, th- I want to know what the community thinks because like I, I, there are a lot of people doing this, not in replica enclosures and selling fuzzes that, I mean like the sun face, right? There mm-hmm. are sun faces on reverb for obscene money, but right. Mike does not sell them for obscene money because he no. knows they're not like the, the vintage transistors. Yeah. They're hard to get, but everything else is pretty normal. Yeah. So yeah, here's one vintage fuzz face replica with new old stock 275s for a grand. Yeah. Uh, but it's not moving at that price. They've already dropped it 240 bucks. Um, there's another one for 826 after dropping 145 bucks. So it's like they're asking for these prices, but they're not moving at these prices. So maybe that's a good sign yeah. that people cuz I, look, I I agree with you. I think for $1000 <sighs> Personally, I wouldn't spend that on a f- replica pedal not from the original manufacturer. Now, again, I look at something like the Sunface, and I think, okay, a thousand bucks for an NK2, NKT275. Right. Uh, okay, but at least you're buying that from, it's an analog man, right? It's It's got its own prowess. It's got its own sort of lore right. behind it. It's not like I'm copying an analog man and then trying to sell that for the same price as the analog man. Yeah, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go right on here on analog man's website, buyanalogman.com. He's not updated it in a long time. <laughs> uh, and I'm trying to find, he, he doesn't always have the NKTs, right? Yeah. But vintage germanium transistors with the normal options, a Sunface is $195. 
Yeah, and that too, that feels like a steal for it such does. a great pedal. It's a great pedal. But like I think it's odd though. Like even the people who are branding the stuff themselves. Oh dude. And it's good, like, you know, you, selling them in their own enclosures and their own style, like, that's that's cool. But I get a lot of people asking me, like, you know, would you ever get one and try it? It's like, not really. I mean, I, I, I talked about this in, in the live stream before you hopped on about how I don't see the value in buying new old stock everything. I, I see the value yeah. in new old stock transistors because they are not being made. Right. Uh, same with some new old stock diodes. But... Uh, resistors, caps, all those things, they, why would you spend extra money on something that you can buy today that's a lower tolerance, has lower noise, has not drifted, that you don't have to measure, and will outlast any of these vintage parts uh, electrolytics just like in an amplifier dry out they have mm-hmm. oil say, inside them yeah why like especially caps like why would you go for an old that's like you know what that that's the equivalent of like buying a a 69 gto right but wanting original tires from 1969 on <laughs> right it. you know what i mean or like i want the brake pads from <laughs> from 1969 on the like no you don't you right <laughs> that that's actually kind of the opposite of what you want and and i'm again i'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade and i i, I don't i if 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 this is what people are doing and it's working for them i guess that's fine i just think that don't call it you know don't call it a fuzz face don't call it a big muff don't call it a tone bender unless you own the rights to that name because you know who's going to find out the people who own the rights to those names mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're going to get in trouble Right, because I've talked to people at Dunlop and said, "Hey, do you guys know about this?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, we know about all of it, and we're gonna do something about it." Ooh, so I mean, and of course in they trouble. would. They own the trademark. Like I, I mean, get yeah. it, and like, and I'm cloning stuff, and I do, and I like, I I have vowed that moving forward, everything I do, I want to try to make it mine, and, sure. and not do clones because it's boring. I, right. I enjoy it, and I love a lot of these circuits, but I don't know why. Why should I spend my my days toiling over replicating something that's already been done when I could be doing something more fun and and you know carving new pathways like with the Shoyles fuzz? What I want to do with that initially it was just like, well, let's do this, let's do the classic thing, and it didn't work. So I want to make it easier to build and work. So I don't know. The yeah. SH1Z. It's coming along. Oh. <laughs> hey, Ugh. I know. I mean, but, dude, I mean, it's going to be colloquially known as the SH1Z, even if we name it something else, which I'm That's fine. I just don't want are. it printed on the box. <laughs> <laughs> Can we put it somewhere? Can we put it like on the circuit board somewhere, just like a, in a tiny little corner, like yeah. version? SH1Z or something like that. Just a nice little Easter egg. I'll people. put it on the underside where no one can ever see it. <laughs> uh, Jesse Davey from King Tone puts messages on the underside of his PCBs like, what are you doing under here? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, great. Well, no, I think it's a it's a valid conversation to have. I agree. I think it's one thing to clone a circuit which has been a, a subject for debate in the pedal community for ever and ever. And that yeah. comes with its own sort of etiquette and, and you know, do's and don'ts. Um, but this is just 
different. This is like, yeah, yeah. Don't don't. It's like rip you can off. make a you can make a clone, and you can even make it in a a a, a clone enclosure. Yeah. But don't sell it for five thousand dollars. And don't right. Don't make the printing and the logos and everything look like an original clone. Right. I, I because actually, that's the I, thing. It's like we're talking about this th- through the lens of the fuzz face, and I think, I think people are getting a pass because it's a, it's a fuzz face and not a clon. If you're yeah. doing this with clons, people would be up in arms over it. Yeah, because of the prices of clons and and the prices of vintage fuzz faces are kind of up there as well. But it's it's just I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's just it's something. I'd like to know what people think, and I hope people aren't like, you know, think I'm just trying to like say I'm better than that. Because I don't necessarily feel, I mean, like, you know, sometimes when I think about the fact that, oh, you know, we're doing the Wildwood and it's, it is, it is a clone. And even though like, like on paper, the schematic is the same and I've tweaked it, it still sounds like, you know, exactly the same as mine. Um, I just like, I, I feel like we're doing that in a fair way that's not, Hopefully, I mean, I know Bill, I'm sure he would, he, I'm sure Bill Finnegan hates every cloner out there. I know he does. He had, he, I know he does. Um, so. Well, he doesn't, I, he doesn't build the clone anymore. So it's like what? Well, I mean the KTR and there's been does rumors. Does he still that, make the the KTR though? Well, I don't think he is, has ever like produced those himself. I mean, why would well, he? I, I yeah. Mean, but. If he does I, bring it back, please do something better than that damn ribbon cable. Jesus. I. I don't know, I have one. I'll open it up and like tap the ribbon. I'm sure it's been fixed. Um, he told they, me that they just do that. <laughs> well, I think they've gone through revisions because if you had an early one, yeah, I did. Um, I got a first run, which I wish I still had now. That yeah, pe- yeah. I sold it. Well, you know what I sold it for? I sold it at Carter. No, no, no. I bought a Vertex Boost, which I actually like better than the Klon, the KTR. Uh, and I sold the KTR for like two hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> reverb to pay for the boost. Well, I mean, the, the the people who've made them, and even the design has changed since the original. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think the new ones are fine. I think if they were, if there was that big of a problem, we would all know about it. Yeah. But, well, um, if anybody has a KTR out there where the ribbon cable keeps falling out of the <laughs> the foot pedal, what do you call that? The little board that's separate from the main board? A daughter board. A daughter board. Um, that sounds kind of weird, sexist in a way. I don't know. I I don't know the mother <sighs> and the daughter. I I've stopped know. saying I've stopped saying um, blackface and silverface and brownface yeah. amps. I I, f- I feel like as a community we should all just agree that we. Well, I don't think stop. silverface was ever offensive. Well, that's true. But <laughs> blackface and brownface amps, like, come on, we yeah. can do better. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm. Let's just Are all say gonna- black panel. Are we going to stop saying uh, male and female jacks? Um, I don't. I don't know if that's offensive. I do think like slave output or like slaving <laughs> a, a cabinet or something is or another amp is pretty offensive. We should you know come up with a different name for that, right? Because when we did, when we did the Marshall Wall at at um, at Sweetwater. Right. Uh, they were explaining to us the setup, and that's how they did. They had one amp, and then they were basically slaving all the other amps. And I was just like, "Feels feels weird to say that. I don't like that." You just say Daisy chaining the power section. Yeah, 
can we but that's, can we... that's a lot of words <laughs> also i'm we'll i know out. i can't wait for the uh the uh the patriots in our our comments now well, well, he can't. that's the the woke left gonna sit there and tell me that i can't say blackface and my fender amp i've been saying blackface since 1960 whatever it's jeez okay Let's say do whatever better. you want. You can say whatever you want, but just don't be an asshole. How about that? You know, How like about that's that? the ultimate thing. Hey. And I, uh, and you know, like thinking about the guitar thing, I, it is weird how we do have this double standard, but <laughs> it's it, very, it, it is double standard. But like, kind Shab- of, Shabbat doesn't have a Fender headstock. No, it doesn't. It's got that headstock, which is. Fender-esque. It's reminiscent, but it's, that's not a, it's not a Strat headstock. You would never... If you didn't see the rest of that guitar, you would be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. You know? I would not I would not guess that that looked like a Strat. Right. That was holding. You know but one thing that, here it is. that I've always thought about... Now, hold up that fingerboard again for those watching. Did we talk about this fingerboard and how it was aged, I think, improperly? No. <laughs> well, what, no one ever really ages... Like the uh, open E position. Okay, okay, dude. This is okay. So everyone, look at this fingerboard here. And I'm not trying to put on Shabbat. I love this guitar. This guitar is brilliant. But try and make sense of what key this person spent the most time in. So you see, obviously here on the twelfth fret, right? Gone. But if they're playing mostly like pentatonic runs, would logically it would be a whole step up from there is where you'd see the next round of wear but you don't see it a half step up so what scale were they playing the most of or were they playing mostly in in d in well in e flat but yeah but then that doesn't make a lot of sense to me it's like it should have been aged differently and the same thing here in the open position like are we not have you never played an e chord right because the b is the first fret on the on the the uh, the G string. <laughs> well, that'd be I mean, G sharp. E. That'd be a yeah, it'd be E major. But but you would have the rest of it. You'd have the rest of it there. <laughs> so it's an open tuning. That listen, Midtown Brown open tuning. I feel like aging. I feel like people people that are uh, uh, aging fretboards need to have at least a basic music theory understanding. Well, you just need to like take get like the most basic. Uh, uh, chord overlay things that you like put oh, over yeah. you, you see kids have <laughs> and just put that in the okay well there'd be a dot here 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 here, here. we're gonna age it here and age it here and if you're getting a strat and there's no age on the a minor pentatonic scale position oh, you know like an e minor pentatonic those are gonna be the places this guitar is um, so good though my my god it's so good I'm, I'm starting to get uh, um, SVL guitars started following uh-huh. me yeah, the um, Matt Schofield yeah. plays and them. Have you played one of those yet? I've not. I got them confused with LVL for a long time, which I feel like is understandable. It is, but I well, speaking from experience, the SVL stuff is like <laughs> way above it. Um, I've, I played Matt's, which was insane. And then they had a white one that looked a lot like that guitar at, at Eastside. Yep. Uh, it was one of those that, like, I don't want to spend this amount of money on this guitar, <laughs> but I feel like I should. Uh, so those guitars are, like, they're the only, like, I think we all do this, circling all the way back. They get a pass for me. Normally, mm-hmm. I see a, a clone of a Fender guitar, and I'm like, I just, I would rather have a custom shop strap. Sure. 
But I see that, and then I go, boy, yeah, I don't even have to play it. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it really speaks to me. Mm-hmm. But, um, but well, anyway, uh, let's. You got you got a shill. I got a shill. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Penny agrees. Boom. I got him right here, folks. Wait, am I allowed to talk <gasps> oh, about this gosh. yet? Oh, gosh. You can show that. Yeah. By the time this goes out. Oh, I got one other thing to show, but we'll end on that. Um, oh, my okay. God. Who put all these stickers in here? <laughs> actually, I actually really like this sticker. I've, I've not seen the sticker before. Is this new? So I, did, I do those with the Positron because it yeah. looks like Ray's occult books from Ghostbusters 2. And um, God, Katie, Jeff's wife. a nerd. Yeah, uh, Katie, Jeff's <laughs> yeah. wife, is a graphic designer. And I said, hey, can you copy the font of Ray's and make it say Mythos? Um, Dude, I'm super stoked. I think I'm going to put these in my Les Paul. Uh-huh. Um, I, and I humbly requested the aged uh, well, covers. Well, and that, that is just for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're, you're doing raw nickel, though, right? So, so what I'm doing uh, for the, the Mythos pickups... Yeah, the back's pretty cool. I love the back. Yeah. Look at that. That's etched in there. That's like... It's laser etched. Yeah. Um, what I'm doing is they couldn't get the, the uh, plated nickel covers because they're just out of stock. Okay. And they said they didn't know when they'd get them. They could get like uh, two sets. And so I said, well, can you get the raw nickel? And they said, <laughs> right. yeah. And they sent me those and I polished them. Which I think is kind of what I did for those, where I kind of like buffed them up so they're still kind of scratched and look old, yeah. and they're going to wear really quick. Yep. But um, they they already have like a little bit of a patina. So that's yeah. the only cover option that I'm going to... I'm not doing any other gold, nothing. It's just like I it's going to be that. I think chrome pickup covers are the worst. I hate chrome. Well, not chrome, covers. but like polished nickel. No, yeah, polished nickel is nice. Or, 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 or just or nickel, nickel plated. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between between nickel plating and chrome. Nickel yeah. plating has like a warmer look to it, where chrome yeah. is just like a mirror. It's and blue. I yeah, I don't like chrome, but I, I this is super nice. So uh Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what, what everyone thinks. I've got my this is not my shill, but I well, I, I don't it's way over there. Uh the Revolta Regatta is loaded with the proto set and I rewired it. And so that I want to make a demo video next week, but I got a shill that our friend Matt at Yamaha line six sent me. Hey, look at that. Catalyst. Catalyst. So this is the uh, Catalyst 60. Catalina wine mixer. (laughs) (laughs) Have you played one of these yet? No, I haven't. I, I, I'm shocked because I've played one at, I played one at guitar center uh, just just in passing one day, and I thought it sounded really good. But we got this here and like opened it up, and it sounds great. It has a boutique mode mode, which is kind of D style, oh, TR style. The big D, huh? The big D. It's the got big it. D, man. Look uh, out, y'all. It, it just it. You know, okay. So the HX Stomp, the Helix, they yeah. all sound like a recorded guitar sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. sounds like a guitar amp in the room. Like interesting. I mean, it, it makes sense. It is a guitar amp, but it's not know, doing like cabinet emulation and power amping, like all that stuff. I don't know what the hell no. just happened to your camera, by the way. Oh, I, I have a focus point in the center here. Um, but yeah, it, it just sounds really good. The chime, which I assume is a Vox, right. sounds really good. 
it, I, I'm, sh- I'm shocked at how good it sounds. Also, I really like the way it looks. I think they I'm did a good job. I'm not crazy about how it looks, I honestly. But it, no, honestly, it, it's compared to what Line 6 has done in the past, let's yeah. be honest, okay? It's a, it's a lot better looking than uh, it could have been. So props to Line 6 for that. Right. Well, you know, I think the power cab looks cool because it has that smooth round edge, and I like the grill cloth on it. Yep. Um, but this, like, I think the, the obvious competition for this is the Boss Katana, which I think the Katana, the big ones, are, are really nice. Mm-hmm. But this, I think, kind of wipes the floor with with what Boss is doing in that respect, because um, it has has all the built in delays and yep. stuff, and you can USB and like modify it. Uh, it sounds really good. So, that would be a killer like practice amp, rehearsal amp. Like, and I think keep it I in think the house. This one's only like three hundred bucks or something. It's damn. It's not very expensive for the sixty watt. Um, okay, and it it has a. Uh, 60 watt, 30 watt, and half watt, and, and a mute, and you has a direct out, effects loops in return, headphones, uh, foot switch stuff. It's it's really good. It's really good. Nice. Oh, it's heavy. I'll show you guys. I'll show everybody this one little thing if I can figure out how to. Let's say. Oh yeah. Can anyone see that? Yeah, I can see it. This is coming. This might come with all the pickup sets. What is it, Zach? It's a it's a treble bleed that's selectable. <laughs> you can never see it. Um, Your camera's that, like, what is that? Yeah, um, it's too small. It's a treble bleed. So when you solder it in, you get 680 picofarad, and then you can select different caps in parallel and resistors to where you can balance it to your guitar. And um, you can have your own custom treble bleed, or you can, if you don't want it, you can just throw it in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what this thing. But yeah, so it's it's a, it's a four way switch that has at, at least eight options that that sound good, um, and you can just wire it up to your volume pot. And if you have like a volume pot you don't like the taper of, this will kind of fix it. Um, nice. And I was really against this until I got my swope. And I opened it up, and I was like, why does this thing feel so good when I roll the volume back? And I was like, oh, there's a treble bleed in here. Yeah. And then my Strandberg has a really great pot sweep. And I was like, what's going on in here? And I opened it up, and there's a treble bleed in there. I think Wait. yours I, yours has a, a bougie one that I, I made. Oh, you! I haven't even looked. Is there one Go in under, here? Under the foam. Oh, my Lanta. Oh, sh- look at that. That's- so that's... That's my favorite uh, combination on a resistor and a cap. Oh God! Wait now. I don't. Now that means I can't install this on my. I don't, you don't have to hell? use it. No, I want to use it, but how do I put that on the Les Paul? Just on the third and the second lug of the volume pot. I'm, you're going to have to show me how to. I don't. <laughs> okay. Hey. It's fine. Yeah, that looks rad though. Yeah. So that's the real fancy one, and I was going to make those, and then that took forever to make, and then this took a minute. So I was like, I'll just make a bunch of these. Hell yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, well awesome. It's been real. R- real fun. Mm-hmm. My gate. It's been real. It's been fun, but it ain't been real fun. We'll see, y'all. Bye, everybody.